So today in the markets, we had the S&P 500 for the first time close above 4,000 points. And we also had today the U.S. 10-year Treasury note falling under 1.7%. And what I want to get to today is Biden's infrastructure spending bill is a $2 trillion. So apparently he... Uh, wanted to make the, I, I don't know if this is the first part or the second, I, I don't know if a second one's coming after, but this one is a $2 trillion spending bill uh, that is targeted to rebuild infrastructure. And I want to start off by saying that I think that building infrastructure, spending money on this area, uh, it's I think it's obviously a lot better than just sending everybody free checks and, and spending it on whatever else useless that, you know, activity that has zero productiveness into it. But even though it's, you know, building infrastructure, uh, which countries like China have been doing a, a lot and their government spends a ton on infrastructure, and it's better than what the U.S. spends it on. The U.S. just spends it on stuff like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and the military, of course. And a lot of these are unproductive, in the, especially in the long term, whereas infrastructure is actually useful and it will definitely benefit the country a lot more, especially in the long term. And, you know, although I think an infrastructure spending bill is better than other types of spending bills. I still think that it's better than, or I still think that it's not as good as not spending it in general. And the reason is because, you know, usually the free market does it better, faster, more efficiently, and cheaper. But what Biden wanted to uh, kind of focus on in his in his bill is first of all to to build roads and to improve the water systems and I'm pretty sure he also wanted to uh, help you know do something with public transportation make uh, transportation stuff like uh, airports and buses and stuff like this uh, more accessible. But the problem with all the spending is, first of all, I think right now is not a great time, um, especially since the U.S. is broke. I mean, look at the just the fiscal deficits that the United States is running. I mean, people say, you know, in, in, in and I'm not a Keynesian, but the Keynesians say, uh, which is kind of the, the, the people who advocate for a lot of government spending, the people who advocate for governments to take on debt. And these guys say uh, in, in bad times, in times when the economy is suffering, when the economy is in danger, run these large uh, fiscal deficits, borrow a lot of money, and in the good times, we'll pay it back. But what's happening now is, you know, in the, in the bad times, the government, the politicians love to spend all this money but in the good times, I mean, they, they can't pay it back and they don't pay it back. And, and, and 
the debt just gets even bigger. Now, it doesn't get bigger as fast as when the bad times are, are here. Of course, because in the bad times, I mean, that, that's a great opportunity to just pile on more debt and to run more of these fiscal deficits. But in the good times, nobody wants to take responsibility for the usually the previous politicians and sometimes the same politicians who took on all these debts, who you know kept interest rates so low for so long, and they're still keeping them so low. And you know after this, uh, this kind of I I don't know if I'd call this a recession right now still because <laughs> if you look at the S and P. I had just passed 4,000. I mean, that certainly wouldn't tell you that we're in a recession. But of course, you know, the, the Fed, uh, what, uh, pretty much all central banks and the governments are saying that the economy is still in, in dangerous shape. It's still, you know, suffering. And it is. But of course, all the spending is just going into boosting asset prices. And so in the financial economy, everything's doing wonderful. But in the real economy, the real economy is still not doing so well. And if you look at, uh, you know, the interesting thing is if you look at uh, personal income for the average American, I mean, it's just been skyrocketing. Um, and, and not necessarily in nominal terms, but in an increase, in a, in a percentage increase term, it, it's just spiked. And I think a lot of that is because a lot of people are just staying at home, getting these stimulus checks and, you know, getting a ton of money there and they're making more money unemployed. And so we have a ton of these guys, but I guess the infrastructure bill is, is better than just paying people to sit at home to, to watch Netflix. And that would actually make them, you know, get a job. My, my problem is, why did we have a $1.9 trillion stimulus just sending people free checks followed by a $2 trillion? I guess it's not really called a stimulus, but a $2 trillion infrastructure bill. Why don't we just have the infrastructure bill? Right? If people need jobs during bad times, if people, you know, and I know people don't, don't, all have the skill sets, but you could offer them jobs in some other ways instead of just, you know, just giving them free, free money. You could have trained them, right? You could train them for, you know, maybe some of the less skill intensive jobs and then, you know, make them get these jobs in, in areas that are uh, more need, in need of jobs instead of just sending people free checks to, to basically, you know, stay at home and, and have a paid vacation, it's a lot less productive to just, you know, send free, free money. And of course, it's not free because we're going to pay for it later eventually. And, and um, in the Keynesian way, what you do is you pay for it later. But what we have now, it's, I mean, it's, it's not even Keynesian. It's like just, just uh, well, we have a system of, of welfare for 
know, corporations, for, for everybody. It doesn't matter how much income you make. We have a, just a very, very big welfare system for everybody. And the funny thing is everybody's going to pay for it. Now, if you position your investments correctly, maybe you won't have to pay for it. But to some degree, everybody's going to have to pay for it. And it's not going to be free by any means. And uh, so Biden, in his $2 trillion stimulus, he wants uh, these you know, big corporations to pay for it uh, by raising the corporate tax level from 21% to 28%. Now, I have a problem with the corporate tax system in general because it doesn't really make any sense, right? If you make money as an individual, you're just paying taxes on the money you make. But if you're paying corporate taxes, you're, you're, you're being taxed twice because here's, here's the money, the income that you make as an individual uh, from the corporation, your source of income is through dividends. And uh, you could argue, you know, well, it also depends what type of corporation you are. But let's say a public corporation, you get paid through dividends. You don't get paid through, you know, your company's income because there's a lot of shareholders other than you. And the... I mean, if you want to count capital gains as a sort of income, I guess you can, but it's not uh, really a, it's not a cash flow income type that you would get from, uh, let's say, the earnings of the companies. So that's that's kind of a different thing, but that's taxed anyways. So you you can't make an argument for that in any way. But the point is, you have to pay dividend taxes. And so the owners of the corporation are already paying dividend taxes. And at the same time, you're paying corporate taxes. So the company makes, you know, makes money. They're taxed through corporate taxes. And then they give money to their shareholders, which are their owners. And then they're taxed again through dividend taxes. So people who receive dividends are, are just being taxed twice. And so it doesn't make any sense to, you know, tax them twice. And here's the thing. If you're uh, the company, if the company is uh, buying back stock instead of paying back dividends, well, it doesn't matter because you have to pay capital gains taxes anyways. Now, you know, long-term capital gains, I guess, depending on where you are, uh, Sometimes they're lower than the dividend taxes. And so I guess that's a benefit, but they're not much lower. If they are lower, then they're only a tiny bit lower. And you're still being taxed twice. And so now you're just going to be taxed twice at a higher rate. Because instead of you know being taxed twice at 21% your first time, you're being taxed at 28% your first time. And so you're basically just paying extra taxes on your secondary tax. But of course, uh, this has quite a few issues because uh, one thing you, you kind of keep in mind, you kind of have to keep in mind is that 
now this is kind of a flawed, flawed way of measuring it, but throughout history, government's income through taxation hasn't changed uh, based on the level of taxes. And by that, I mean, you know, in the 1950s, you know, taxes, income taxes, personal income taxes were at 90%. And today they're at, uh, well, I'm talking about the highest personal income taxes. In the 1950s, we're at 50%. And today, the highest personal income tax rate is at 37%. And uh, of course, these are federal income tax rates. Um, but or, or, but uh, the, you know, in the 1950s, taxation was completely different. Um, it was at 90%, but there were so many ways to pay less taxes. Like in the 1950s, uh, first of all, the 90% income tax only applied to people with uh, income above $200,000. Uh, in $1950, which is equivalent to like $2 million in today's dollars. And of course, there are so many, uh, there are so many deductions that you can make on your income and uh, taxes on assets were completely different from how they were today. And of course, a lot of people were kind of just lying about their, uh, their, their incomes and, and their, uh, let's say their, their expenses and deductions. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure you had people listing stuff like cars as, a, as an expense. And so a lot of people got away with kind of cheating the tax system and it wasn't nearly as regulated as it is today. And so the tax rates, uh, you can't really count on them to, to, to provide you with an accurate picture. But throughout the history of the U U.S., the United States, it doesn't matter what tax rate you have, the, the income of the U.S. government through taxes were pretty much the same. And, um, you know, I guess one reason is because taxes were not too different throughout the history of the United States. But at the same time, if you, you know, and this is a pretty common argument for why higher taxes aren't really good for raising tax income. And that's if, you know, if you raise the taxes, well, what's going to happen? A lot more people are going to be encouraged to stop working, to stop keeping their businesses. And a lot of people are going to go to some other country, right? And, and these, are, these, are, these are common arguments. But the, at the same time, I think a lot, uh, let's say a good additional uh, argument that maybe isn't as common is you have to look at the, you know, how companies today are doing. Because companies today are a lot less resilient than they were, let's say, 50, 100 years ago. Uh, they're nowhere near similar shape. I mean, they're, uh, the, 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 the debt to GDP level of the U.S. is a lot higher. And the debt to, uh, you could say, income of companies today is a lot higher. 
And so if you're going to, you know, raise their taxes, well, <laughs> they're going to have a debt issue, especially once interest rates start rising. And then you're going to have to lower interest rates again, and you're going to have to bail out all these companies again, offer them more stimulus. And so what's the point of raising taxes on these guys when you're just going to print money to bail them out again? It doesn't make any sense. You know, you're just doing extra work for no reason. And so the proposal is that the, the cost of the $2 trillion stimulus bill would be offset by these taxes. And the truth is, I really doubt that these taxes are going to pay for anywhere near the total cost of the $2 trillion bill if it does get passed. It's mostly going to, the money is mostly going to come from issuing new treasury bills and, and just uh, re- loading the, the, the United States with more debt. And of course, in the long run, that's not a good idea at all. The short run, I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, who wouldn't want more, more infrastructure? But, uh, you know, again, and you could argue that in the long run, infrastructure is good. And it is good, but having all that debt that you can't afford to service is definitely not good. And so you shouldn't be going in and, 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 and spending on things when you can't really afford to. Especially since, I mean, corporate earnings are probably going to fall. And when corporate earning, earnings fall, the amount of money that you get from corporate taxes are going to be much lower. And why I think corporate earnings are going to fall in the mid to long term. So, you know, that could be a few short years to, you know, four or five years. Like, you know, I think one to five years within that period. I think that corporate earnings are going to fall a lot. And I think five years is a very, I'd say it's almost too conservative of an estimate. I think one to three years is a better estimate. Because, I mean, look at right now. Look at the consumer debt. Um, look at corporate debt. All, uh, I mean, and the federal debt again, that's not even a, that's just the elephant in the room. But when, consumers and companies are so highly indebted do you expect them to keep on spending and if you know they stop spending well then the corporate earnings are just going to collapse and when the corporate earnings collapse you know the u.s isn't getting much tax revenue and it's especially going to be true if the u.s keeps on sending these stimulus checks because Come on, if, if you're sending these stimulus checks, I mean, you're, I mean, no, the, the, first of all, people who before could be paying taxes are now no longer going to be paying taxes. And second of all, you have to tax other people now to spend on these guys. And, and so that just makes the problem even worse. But the spending bill, apparently, uh, Biden said would take place over eight years. And so it's not going to be a direct, quick um, injection into the economy. 
And I don't think it will be. And I think what will happen is not, you know, the Fed won't just go in and buy $2 trillion worth of, of a treasury bills. I think what will happen is the Fed's just going to increase the pace of treasury bill purchases over eight years. Now, it might have to purchase uh, the treasuries at a faster rate in the first few years, because I think in the first few years, it might be more expensive to finance the operations. But it's going to do it over a very long period of time. And so that gives me even more uh, assertion, I guess, that, um, you know, we're going to have a long period of inflation. I don't think it's going to be this hyperinflation thing. But I, I, I do think that we're going to have a long period of inflation because all of this money money is going to be spent over a long period. And if you look at the economy right now, we have tremendously high asset prices. Again, the S&P is over $4,000. And, you know, everybody's like, we need more stimulus. I, you know, everybody says oh, we can't see an asset bubble. But if you look at valuations relative to earnings and even relative to the likelihood of future earnings increasing, I mean, there's, there's no, nothing, nothing shows for it because there's, there's no signs of a new paradigm. And the earnings right now are just they are quite disappointing relative to the price of of assets. And so I know there's all these innovative companies like the electric vehicle market, but that, that's not that that's not going to just instantly make a quick revolution. And money's not going to just the earnings of these companies are not just going to instantly go from, you know, 100 million to 10 billion over over a period of, of two, three years. And if you're looking at the earnings of these companies, it certainly, it certainly or, or not earnings, but the price of these companies, then it certainly would look like that their earnings are, are going are gonna, to, you know, quadruple in one year now i guess some some of them some of their earnings did quadruple because their earnings were so low the previous years but i mean increase to a to a both percentage increase and nominal increase by a substantial amount and you're not seeing that and even though the two trillion bill also uh, was talking about you know solving climate change i i don't know if that alone is enough to support how highly valued these uh these green energy companies are especially in the short term in the long term i think they could do quite well but in the short term they're very very dangerous and I wouldn't hold on to them 
unless if you know speculating in them. But what uh, kind of uh, <laughs> made me most confused was that the uh, infrastructure bill was also highly focused on racial inequalities. And uh, I have no idea how infrastructure has anything to do with race. You know, if, if you're going to be non-racist, then, then don't worry about race. Then just treat everybody of all races equally. And, and don't, you know, make infrastructure, don't build infrastructure based on race. That's completely the, the, the opposite point of, of, you know, becoming a, not race, a non-racist country. If you're, if you're de determining and if government's acting and making all these decisions based on race, well, that completely defeats the purpose of, of eliminating racism because that means government is exactly doing racism. And so... I really, I mean, they're saying, you know, some people of some races are, are, are in poorer conditions. And so we need to give them better infrastructure. We need to, you know, make these poor neighborhoods have, have the greatest roads. But they have, you know, poor roads, older roads for a reason. And that's because, you know, why would you have the best roads in the worst neighborhoods? That doesn't make any sense. Because if you're, I mean, these, these neighborhoods are paying the least in, in, in uh, property taxes. And that's also why they, they, they don't have the best schools. And um, so if you are going to just give these poorer neighborhoods, like, you know, roads as, as great as... I don't know, the best neighborhoods. I mean, I don't think they, they you know, and it also depends on, on what, uh, how many people are living there. I mean, if you're living in a very deserted area, you don't need the, you don't need the, the newest, nicest, if only like 10 people are going to use those roads every, every day. Whereas, you know, if you have a, road that serves thousands, hundreds of thousands, oh, well, I don't know if there's that many, but tens of thousands of people every day, then you, you need to be focusing on those roads. And same with whatever other type of um, infrastructure you want to build. So I don't understand how racial inequalities have anything to do with infrastructure. And so that was a pretty confusing part of the bill.